ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. When we feel better, we do better. That simple message is what Feel Better with Tara Styles is all about. We share informative, inspiring, and healing conversations with respected leaders whose work embodies the action of making our world a better place. We also share simple practices based in meditation, tai chi, and gentle yoga that are a relief to breathe along with, whether you have time to stretch out on the ground or you're busy getting ready for your day. Settle in and enjoy learning something new that will surely support your well-being, inspire your creativity, and help you feel a whole lot better. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hello, listeners. I'm Amy McKinnon, national security reporter at Foreign Policy, and this is Foreign Policy Playlist. Each week, we help you make sense of the crazy number of podcasts out there by recommending one from somewhere around the world. This week, I'm featuring an episode from the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom series, Surf Spotlight, a podcast which examines developments on international religious freedom from around the world. In just a minute, we're going to play one of their latest episodes from the series. But first, Dwight Bashir, Director of Policy and Outreach at the Commission and host of USERF Spotlight, spoke with FP Playlist about the mission of the podcast and how the series came to be. The U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom's weekly Spotlight podcast was launched in 2020 to inform listeners about the range of religious freedom violations around the globe impacting millions of people, as well as highlighting the actionable steps that the United States government and international community can take to safeguard this fundamental right. The commission or USERF as it's known is mandated to monitor and report on religious freedom violations outside of the United States using international human rights standards as its yardstick and to make policy recommendations to the president of the United States the Secretary of State and the United States Congress. During each episode, we have subject matter or country experts on the show to discuss an area of the world where there are breaking developments or where we are either witnessing conditions declining or in some cases improving, which we'd certainly like to see more of. We also look at specific thematic trends such as how extremist violence might affect religious communities or how apostasy and blasphemy laws in countries impact religious minorities. Our primary goal is to shine a spotlight on those victims facing persecution, violence, and discrimination, and bring to light the various foreign policy tools the U.S. government has at its disposal to address and respond through bilateral and multilateral engagement, including such carrots as providing training, aid, or programs to help willing countries advance freedom of religion or belief in their countries, or at times using sticks such as punitive measures like imposing sanctions or targeted sanctions to hold accountable those foreign government officials responsible for severe violations. This is how we came up with the title of the podcast, You Serve Spotlight, and that's what you can expect from each episode, a deeper dive into the complexities of the many threats to religious freedom that exist around the world today and U.S. policy responses. 
Some of our recent episodes have focused on diverse countries and issues from the Tigray massacre in Ethiopia to the continued closure of the Greek Orthodox Halki Seminary in Turkey to the global enforcement of blasphemy laws, sectarian violence in the Central African Republic to the plight of Rohingya Muslims in Burma. And in a short time, we've been getting diverse feedback. We've heard appreciation from the various communities who we highlight that indeed their voices are being heard regardless of how small or little known they might be. And on more than one occasion, we've gotten responses to some of our episodes from foreign governments who we've called out because of their poor treatment of these communities. In fact, the episode that we're featuring today was recorded in response to the government of China imposing sanctions on our chair and vice chair earlier this year. The Chinese government imposed a travel ban on USERF's chair and vice chair in late March and prohibited any Chinese citizens or institutions from doing business with them. This was the first time in USERF's more than 20-year history that a foreign government has acted against individual commissioners in this way. And it's not like we were saying anything new or different. We've been sounding the alarm about the genocide taking place in Xinjiang against Uyghurs and other Muslims and have recommended for two decades that the State Department designate China as a country of particular concern for its egregious violations, which they've done so for all these years. The episode today answers the question, why would China impose sanctions on us now? As I speak with our chair and vice chair to respond firsthand and discuss what implications this might have moving forward. I hope you enjoy the episode. That was Dwight Bashir. And here now is the episode from USERF Spotlight, China Sanctions U.S. Religious Freedom Officials. Welcome to a new weekly podcast series called USERF Spotlight, hosted by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, an independent federal advisory body. During each episode, Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, features a special guest to dive deeper on various topics and breaking developments that impact the universal right to freedom of religion or belief around the globe. Welcome to USERF Spotlight. I'm Dwight Bashir. Today we'll be departing slightly from our normal format to discuss something that's never happened before in the more than 20-year history at USERF. For the first time ever, a foreign government has sanctioned two of our commissioners. In a public statement on March 27th, uh, citing previous U.S. sanctions leveled on March 22nd against Chinese officials for their abuses of Uyghurs and other Turkic Muslims in Xinjiang, the Chinese government over the weekend imposed the ban on USERF Chair Gail Manchin and Vice Chair Tony Perkins from traveling to mainland China, Hong Kong, and Macau. It also prohibited any Chinese citizens or institutions from doing any business with them. The Chinese government said in its statement that these sanctions are meant to, quote, safeguard its national sovereignty and urged USERF and the United States government more broadly to stop interfering in China's internal affairs and refrain from, quote, going further down the wrong path. Otherwise, quote, they will get their fingers burnt unquote, whatever that might mean. For our listeners out there, let me say, uh, let me just say that USERF, since its inception over 20 years ago, has expressed serious concern about religious freedom conditions in China, including China's treatment of Uyghur Muslims and other religious minorities, such as Tibetan Buddhists, Falun Gong, and Christians, 
and has recommended from the very beginning that China should be designated as a country of particular concern for its systematic, ongoing, and egregious violations. More recently, we've been sounding the alarm of a genocidal campaign by the Chinese Communist Party targeting Uyghurs in particular, and we very much welcome the U.S. government determination in January that genocide and crimes against humanity is taking place against Uyghurs and other Muslims. I'm fortunate to have with me today USERF Chair Gail Manchin and Vice Chair Tony Perkins. Welcome to you both, and thanks for being here. Well, Dwight, it is wonderful to be with you always, and certainly with Vice Chair Perkins. Uh, it's good to be here to have this discussion. Yes, uh, it is good to be here, and I'm certain, Dwight, that you will not sanction us and that we'll uh, be able to have a conversation <laughs> about the uh, the ongoing abuses of religious freedom in uh, in China. And, and not only that, I'm certain we're going to talk about how they're going beyond their own borders, which is uh, raising concerns within the international community. Indeed. Uh, yeah, let me start by asking right off the bat, how surprised were both of you when you learned over the weekend of the news that you had been sanctioned by the Chinese government? It was uh, you know, hitting all the press outlets. And in essence, uh, for what USERF has been highlighting and recommending for years, why now? Maybe we'll start with Chair Manchin. Well, uh, Dwight, I think it's very interesting that, that I believe China is using bullying techniques to deflect from their own behavior. Uh, I certainly was shocked on, on a couple of levels, not, not because USERF has not told the story exactly the way it is against China and any other country that is behaving in this egregious manner, but you know, I have not been one of the ones that's been most outspoken. Uh, but again, I think that this was just a bullying, uh, harassing technique. The, the, the sanctions are certainly baseless as the State Department came out and, and issued their statement. USERF is certainly not going to slow down or not fulfill our mission in calling out those that are forbidding people from, from having religious freedom. So it certainly didn't, will not stop you, sir, from doing what we are supposed to be doing, either individually or collectively. How about you, Vice Chair Perkins? Uh, I, I did find it a bit surprising. I was actually traveling and, and got a text message from the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, uh, advising me that I had joined the list. Of, uh, of those sanctioned by uh, China. To, to add on to what Chair Manchin said, I think it shows the desperation of the Chinese Communist Party and their efforts to save face. They're talking about us getting our, our fingers burned. I think their reputation as a country is going up in flames uh, because the international community has taken a deeper, uh, closer look at their human rights abuses. And I uh, I do uh, commend the previous administration that helped put a spotlight on this issue, in particular the Uyghur Muslims, other countries uh, looking more deeply into that and speaking out about it. And so I think the Chinese government is desperate to try to uh, shift the attention away from a horrible uh, human rights record that they continue to amass in their country with the repressive, brutal tactics they're using to, to suppress their own people. We'll be right back 
after this break. Now, I want to tell you about a podcast that we've been listening to. It's called World Affairs, and it gives you the tools and context that you need to navigate a hot and crowded planet like this one. Every week, World Affairs brings you stories that cross borders and ideologies and breaks down what it means to be a global citizen. World Affairs, making sense of a changing world one story at a time. Search World Affairs, all one word, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for a thoughtful podcast that helps you understand the world? We recommend G Zero World, where Ian Bremmer goes in-depth with thought leaders and policymakers weekly. From Christine Lagarde to Adam Grant, guests bring global insights that you won't want to miss. Subscribe to the G Zero World podcast with Ian Bremmer wherever you get your podcasts or listen at gzeromedia.com. Is China a trusted partner or should Canada and its allies stand on guard? From Global News, I'm Jeff Semple, and on my new podcast, China Rising, we'll hear explosive stories from accused spies, whistleblowers in Wuhan, and investigate how China is quietly infiltrating the upper echelons of power in Western countries, including Canada. Listen to China Rising for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The, the same day the, the Chinese government sanctioned you two on Saturday, uh, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken condemned the sanctions as baseless and suggested that it was retaliation uh, for the March 22nd uh, U.S. sanctions uh, and that broader coalition against Chinese officials engaged in serious uh, human rights abuses. Some might argue this is a tit-for-tat exercise, but, but it seems increasingly clear that the Chinese Communist Party is growing less tolerant of governments and activists calling out its genocidal campaign and in your view, is this a sign that the sanctions by the United States and its international partners are more effective uh, than previously? Well, I absolutely believe that uh, their reaction to this shows that we have struck a nerve in some way with, with their government. Because as you mentioned in the very beginning, it's not like we haven't been calling out China and other countries for years. But I believe their actions have become more egregious. And I believe that, that the fact that we are highlighting it more, and I think uh, that's what Vice Chair Perkins talked about the previous administration and now carrying into this administration, are certainly continuing to highlight and showcase the atrocities that are occurring. And not only that, but it is, it is garnering the attention of other countries who are forging on their own investigations into these allegations. And more and more countries are joining this cry to China to cease and desist these egregious ongoing actions. And again, I, I think we should feel flattered that we have gotten their attention. How they go about addressing it will remain to be seen. And how are our allies? believe in this basic human right of freedom of religion, we certainly are reaching out to the countries around us for them to stand uh, with us in calling out China. And I think that could be part of the, the fear with China is that 
that this international attention is not garnering them respect, uh, but certainly retribution on their activities. And I hope that this will continue to happen. I hope that the call out will get stronger. I hope that we will have more countries that will join the United States uh, in this effort. And it certainly is something that we cannot let up on. We have to continue. Uh, We can't back down because of their threats and their sanctions, Uh, but we have to keep pushing forward and encourage our allies to push forward with us. My name's Kurt Jaimungo, and this is the Theories of Everything podcast. The show where we bring rigor to mathematics, physics, and consciousness. Exploring grand unified theories, as well as free will and God. Even exploring aliens with former CIA Lou Elizondo. Heated debates on metaphysics with Kastrup and Verveke. Imagine you are an organism that spans a galaxy. How does the universe look to you? Type in Theories of Everything on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all platforms. Vice Chair Perkins, uh, let me let me ask you on this one. You know, you mentioned the previous administration. They certainly laid a lot of the uh, groundwork and and started imposing uh, targeted sanctions, including using the global Magnitsky tools uh, at their disposal. Uh, and this time around, we saw uh, the sanctions imposed, as as Chair Manchin was referring to, like-minded countries like Canada, the United Kingdom, even the European Union uh, imposed sanctions uh, to shame the Chinese government into responding uh, and and having accountability. Now, in your estimation, are these targeted sanctions working? And is there any indication that this might impact their behavior, since there is definitely a growing awareness uh, of what's going on in the country? Well, I think... Uh, more broadly speaking, I definitely think that the sanctions are working and that it is a very valuable and effective tool that's in the diplomatic toolbox. Now, specifically as it pertains to China, I think as uh, Gail said, it's yet to be seen uh, just how these sanctions, both the sanctions that they're trying to, you know, how they're the tit for tat, as you made reference to, uh, but how these sanctions are going to uh, affect them. Uh, and will it uh, will it alter their behavior? Uh, you know, I think uh, that's hard to say. I do think that there are side benefits to this from a standpoint of addressing the behavior of the communist regime of China. Whether or not the sanctions alter their behavior, I do believe it will be instructive to other countries that might be tempted to do business with China or import the technology that they're using to uh, suppress their own people. And so I think it'll, it, it could affect the behavior of other countries. Uh, I think the, the jury is out whether or not uh, long-term this, this uh, redirects the behavior of China. I think as long as the Communist Party uh, is in power there, that, you know, I'm, I'm not overly optimistic that they're going to change their behavior. But I do think it will have an impact globally as it pertains to this fundamental human right of religious freedom. Now, as far as next steps, uh, Chair Manchin, what kinds of specific policy actions should the U.S. government be taking uh, regarding the Chinese government's ongoing oppression of religious freedom at home and increasing aggression and influence abroad, as Vice Chair Perkins referred to, How important is it that the United States work in concert with these international partners 
But are there specific steps, uh, you know, other tools in the arsenal that uh, the U.S. can exercise here to demonstrate that the, the, the Chinese government needs to be accountable for its actions? Well, absolutely, there are. There are, you know, there's power numbers. So again, building ally strength is important. But as a country, the United States, you know, we have always been the model, the model of power, the model of what is right, of honoring human rights, and particularly this basic human right of, of religious freedom. And so uh, as that model, I think Congress uh, should pass the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. Uh, it's House Resolution 6210, and in the Senate, it's 3471. But this act uh, creates that presumption that any goods made in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region with forced labor would be prohibited from entering the United States unless a very clear and convincing evidence is shown to the contrary. That's a very strong statement and would make a, a strong impact. Uh, the U.S. government could also fully enforce its existing laws, such as the Uyghur Human Rights Policy Act and the Tibetan Policy and Support Act, and continue to impose targeted financial and visa sanctions on Chinese government agencies. And see, that could also definitely make an impact when you start sanctioning and uh, not giving visas to government officials. On a joint effort, one of the things coming up, probably the strongest statement that we could make, is that the United States and our allies should explore ways to encourage our International Olympic Committee, the IOC, to reconsider holding the 2022 Olympics in China. When you consider China's abusive genocidal policies against the Uyghurs in, in Xinjiang, why would we want to be in that country? At the very least, the IOC should consider moving the 2022 Olympic Games to an alternative site. That would probably be the strongest statement that we could make at this point in time in, in drawing allies with us. And for the U.S. government, to say that our that the U.S. government officials would not attend the Olympic Games in Beijing, I mean, this would be taking it to that level that really calls for then an international showdown. But those are things that certainly could be and and I believe should be done. Well, certainly uh, uh, quite a list there. There are definitely some things to do. Well, Vice Chair Perkins, let me give you the the, the final question today. Uh, you know, uh, we, we've talked a lot about China's uh, activities, the, the government, the Communist Party, and what some of this international coalition is increasingly calling out. Uh, what would be your advice to, to other countries kind of on the fence, uh, or and specifically private companies? Because we've, as a commission, looked at that issue, what private companies were doing who have business operations in China, uh, since many are now reevaluating or reexamining their relationship in light of this increasing evidence and the findings, what, what would be your advice to, to some of these entities? Well, I do think it is uh, right for them to kind of take inventory and see what their, uh, you know, what their corporate values are and how they line up with what is happening in China. And, and some corporations have done that. Uh, they have looked, they have identified 
uh, in their supply chain. Uh, there are products or components coming from uh, these uh, forced labor camps, uh, and they've made the right decision. Others uh, have kind of ignored it. Um, and, and I think once they have become aware of this, they need to take action. They need to be a part of helping uh, shape the Communist Party's response to this human rights uh, behavior by, and I, I think using the economy is one way to do that. It's, a, it's another tool, not necessarily in the hands of government, although the sanctions can help uh, shape that and drive that to some degree. But there is some responsibility here of American businesses, which have profited greatly from uh, doing manufacturing and other aspects of business in China. But there's another aspect of this as well, Dwight. As American consumers become aware of those American corporations that are doing business in China, despite the fact of the overwhelming evidence of what China is doing, profiting off the forced labor of religious minorities in that country, uh, they continue to do business, then I think Americans need to draw the line and say, we're not going to do business with those corporations. So I think uh, there are, there's, a, there's a various levels here by which people can engage. They can contact, as Gail was talking about, we have, there's legislation uh, making its way through the, forced, uh, the, the Uyghur Forced Labor Act. We, you can speak to your senators about that issue, your member of Congress. Um, you can write to these corporations. And there's an extensive list of corporations that are involved in businesses in China. Uh, and then secondly, you can vote with your dollars uh, by refusing to do business uh, with those uh, companies. And then uh, just to very quickly touch upon the issue of the other countries, I think, uh, as has already been mentioned, we need to continue to build those international alliances. I think that, in part, is why, as I mentioned earlier, we see China responding is because the international community is focused on this. And I hope and pray, and I also will work from our vantage point here at USERF to encourage this administration, the Biden administration, to continue uh, to emphasize uh, this fundamental human right of religious freedom, and in particular in the country of China, so that the, the other uh, communities, other countries like uh, the UK and Canada will um, continue to focus on it as well. Well, we'll have to leave it right here. I want to thank USERF Chair Gail Manchin and Vice Chair Tony Perkins for their insights. A lot of food for thought that they uh, put out on the table uh, for us, uh, talking about the sanctions against them and, of course, some of the next steps, both within uh, the U.S. government can take, but also uh, multilaterally in, in U.S. businesses. You can find USERF's latest statements and policy recommendations on China on our website at www.uscirf.gov. Thanks for tuning in today, and we'll see you next time on USERF Spotlight. To learn more about USERF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F dot gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at U-S-C-I-R-F. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another USERF Spotlight. And that was the episode, You Surf Spotlight. 
China sanctions U.S. religious freedom officials. My thanks to Dwight Bashir and all the folks at USURF for sharing this episode with us. That's all for Foreign Policy Playlist. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. And if you want to suggest a great podcast, please email us at podcasts at foreignpolicy.com. The show is hosted by me, Amy McKinnon, and is produced by Zimone Perez, Rob Sachs, and Rosie Julin. Our executive producer of podcasts is Dan Ephraim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 